as we're turning to the scriptures here, it is a good thing to be excited about the things of God, the Word of God. And so you can, you can voice when scripture is read here that, man, you like that, what God's trying to do to us here. And so Proverbs fifteen thirty three, and we've been talking about honor here. It says, before honor is humility. Before honor is humility, the message says you first learn humility, then you'll experience glory. And so when I think about the word honor there, humility leads to it. So without humility, honor doesn't exist. And so we want to put some more things in you today about honor. And remember one of our, our theme or main scriptures was Matthew 10 verses 40 through 42. And in there, Jesus said that if you receive others, you receive him. And those who receive Jesus receive him who sent him, which is the Father. And uh, Matthew 10, 41 says, Those who receive or honor a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. So something happens to us when we begin to honor what Father God says to honor. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more this morning to get that on the inside of you. Years ago, I read this story, and there was a, a group of, of missionaries that went into Africa. And as they got there, the, the people of the village there, the tribe, began to honor these ministers. And they said they would come in and they would wash their hands and they would wash their feet and they'd even wash their head. And many of the American missionaries were very uncomfortable with this. Because in America, we've gotten away from honor so much. But as the course of time went on, they kept honoring and kept honoring with such things that I talked about. And so as they were getting ready to leave, this one mother came up with her little, little baby girl wrapped up in a blanket. And she asked one of the ministers, would you pray for my daughter that she's died, she's dead. And so the missionary took the little baby and opened up the blanket and, and saw the little baby had no life in her. And she began to pray over her in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Before long, the little baby began to cry and weep and cough. And so the, the, the missionary opened it up and saw life back into this baby and handed her back to the mother. And as they began to walk away, the mother began to, to cry and to become very ecstatic, just overjoyed. And the missionary looked back and walked back and said, what's going on? And they said, well, when the mother opened up the blanket and saw the little baby alive, she said, we didn't tell you this, but the little baby had only been born with one eye. That in one of the eye sockets, there was no eye. It was just hollow. And so she opens up the blanket and sees her little girl alive again. But also she sees her now with two eyes. And so the lady got to see a, a miraculous, just a miracle take place. But I believe, guys, it was birthed out of honor. That when we honor what God says to honor, we release God's blessings. We release His rewards. As we talked about last week. Now, let's begin in 1 Samuel 1. And as I begin reading this passage of Scripture here, we'll fill in the blank a little bit as we go to let you know what's going on. It says in verse 8, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than you than ten sons? Now what's going on here is this man named Elkanah, he had a wife named Hannah. And Hannah was very uh, distraught. She was very grieved. She cried because she was barren. 
she couldn't have any children. And so in Jewish customs or that time frame, that when they could not have children, they were marked as a curse. And so right here, this woman is just weeping and crying, and her husband is trying to comfort her. So this is where the the passage even gets a little better. Keep reading, verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Shiloh was a place where they went once a year to worship and bring the sacrifices to God. Now it says, now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. So this man Eli, who's the priest, he's over the house of God there. He's sitting watching people come and go. Verse 10. And Hannah was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. I want you to see something here, right, right, right here in this little verse, that many times in our life when we experience grief or sorrow or pain in our life, the last thing we want to do is gravitate toward God. Many times in those times, we, we try to leave and get away from God. But you know, James 4, 8 says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so it's interesting right here, when this woman is one of the, in one of the worst situations in her life, she goes to the house of God and she draws near to God. I say that to some of you this morning, that whatever you're going through in life, God wants to be a part of it. He doesn't want to just be the God of good times. He's the God of the good, the bad, and the ugly. He'll be with you any time, but you must make the choice to gravitate toward Him, just like she did. Keep reading. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservants and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but you will give your maidservant a male child. Now, I, I look at this and she becomes very specific in her prayers. I believe that that's biblical. That God likes when we become very specific. And so it's very clear right here that her petition to God is for a little boy. Now look what she goes on to say. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of her life. So this was a tremendous sacrifice. She says, Father God, you blessed me with a male child. I'm going to dedicate him to you for your service. And then she says, and no razor shall come upon his head. Now, the razor upon his head was a Nazarite vow, is what this meant. And it was a tremendous vow, guys. And so what it meant is, I'm going to give my child to the service of the Lord for his life. So not only is she asking for a male child, she's saying, I'm going to give him back to you, Lord, for you to do your work through him. Now, I'm not going to get over exactly into it very deep today as far as who that was. But we're reading in 1 Samuel. This is who she gives birth to. Is this young boy named Samuel. And Samuel was one of the greatest prophets of all. And so not only do you see the petition of a prayer, but you see that God answered it. Now, keep reading here with me, verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli the priest watched her mouth. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And so, think about this. This would, this would be like Maria down here, coming down to the altar this morning, and she's very grieved, and she's petitioning in God, and she's sitting here praying out of her heart, and I just sit here and I watch her. 
And I see her mouth moving, but no words are coming out. So it's kind of like she's a silencer. Just. And so here Eli the priest is watching this. So look what it goes on to say here. And, and her, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. Now, when you read that, you find out later in this passage, you still, you see how messed up Eli and his sons were. How far from the things of God they had come. And my point in saying that is, this shows his, his spiritual maturity that he can't decipher between a woman tr- crying out to God and someone who's drunk. Keep reading. Verse 14. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And so my paraphrased addition of that would be, he was saying, woman, you got to get rid of the bottle. How dare you come into the house of God and be in this condition? And so he's basically saying, when you get rid of the bottle and you go back and you sober up, Then you can come and see me. So when you look what Eli said, you know what he's now done? He's basically insulted her. He said things that can be very damaging. And so put yourself in her shoes. And I think you're going to find out what what was in her heart. How she honors some things here. Verse 15. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. Now, I want you to highlight that right there. She says, no, my Lord. Look how she addresses him. She didn't address him with, hey, stupid. She addresses him here with, with, no, my Lord. Now, it would have been very easy for her to say, I'm not going to put up with your junk. I'm not going to put up with your stuff. And in America, you know what she would have said? The paraphrased edition of this for Americans is this. You can kiss my rear. You offended me. I'm going to go to another church. Adios. Right? But I look at this and I see that she didn't do any of that. She said, no, my Lord. And when I read that, even in reading it, I can sense her heart. I don't believe she popped her fist and said, No, my Lord. I believe when she said it, even when I read it, it was very honoring. Now, she gets in the explanation. Look what she goes on to say. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. And so you begin to see her true heart here. And so even though he insults her, she didn't insult him. It would have been very easy, and I put ourselves in her shoes as an American. And you know what most Americans would say? You're just another insensitive male with arthritis to the brain. I don't appreciate what, but if you'll notice here, guys, and you read this more and more, not only did she not disrespect him there, continue, look what she says in verse 16. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. So not one time did she go after his character. She didn't go after his integrity and say, Who do you think you are? She was very honoring and very reverent. And when I look at this, the next verse, you'll see that it changed his whole demeanor toward her. Verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, 
go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him. So you know what he does here? He blesses her. In other words, he's saying, you have my blessing. Verse 18. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and they returned and came to their house of Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah's wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in a process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son. And so when I looked at this, you know what I began to see? Just what we said there in, in Matthew 10, 40, 41. You honor or receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Now, I want you to highlight this again today, that this guy here, Eli the priest, he was just a man. He was just a man, guys, but he had God's anointing on there, and so as Hannah honored the position he was in, do you see the reward here? The reward, the blessing came upon her, and because the way she honored him... God blessed her, and she received and gave birth to a little boy. So once again, when I honor what God says to honor, guys, there's always a blessing. Now go with me just a couple pages there to 1 Samuel 24. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 24, and you'll find out here, this is a passage about a man named David. And, and David had been anointed to become the next king of Israel. And so as David had been anointed, he began to hang out with this man named Saul, who at that time was King Saul. And David loved King Saul. The, the scriptures say that David would go in and play the harp before King Saul, and that David would go out to war for him. But King Saul despised David. He was against David. Actually, he wanted David to be killed and so for 14 years, all David did is he ran for his life. He lived in caves and lived in the wilderness. Now, let's put our, ourself in David's shoes this morning. What do you think you would do if you knew someone was after you trying to kill you? Well, most of us, we would answer this and say, I would try to kill him before he killed me. But it's interesting in this passage of Scripture that you will begin to see that David honored this man named King Saul over and over, even though he tried to kill him. 1 Samuel 24. Let's begin in verse number 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engadi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. Now he took these 3,000 men, guys, and he wasn't taking them to play poker with David. He's going after him. He's trying to kill him. So it came, so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. So think about this. Saul is tracking David, and he's on his tail. And Saul drinks way too much coffee and way too much tea one morning. And so it says he has to attend to his needs. So I believe he's going into this cave. And he goes into this cave and he's not aware of what's there. And so look what it goes on to say. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So Saul goes in there. 
And little does he know, David and all his men are in the back of the cave and they're watching everything he's doing. Now, get this. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy in your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Now the reason his heart troubled him, guys, is David fully understand you have two ways to do things. Number one, you can do it your way, or you can do it God's way. And anytime I do it my way, I better get, get ready because there's going to be some, some bad things that's going to go with it. Keep reading verse 7. So David restrained his servant. Uh, verse 6, back up, verse 6. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Now notice right there how he addresses Saul. My master and the Lord's anointed. I want to highlight to you again, Saul is just a man. But he has God's anointing on him, okay? Keep reading. The, the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and, did, the words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward, went out of the cave, and he called out to Saul, saying, Now listen how he dresses him. My Lord the King. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and he bowed down. Now I highlight that because not only did David honor him with his words, he honored him with his actions. He bowed before him and I looked. This was another man. But David saw the anointing on his life. Verse 9. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm. Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he's the Lord's anointed. So David firmly understands, when I honor what God says to honor, I'm going to be blessed, but it doesn't end there. Saul didn't back off. Turn, turn to, to two pages over. To 1 Samuel 26. And in this passage, you'll find Saul is still after David. Still trying to get him. Pick up with me in verse 4. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay and Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp and with the people encamped all around him. So Saul's got all his, his battle men, all his generals. They're all encamped about him and they're all asleep. And David's spies have found him. Verse uh, 6. Then David answered and said to Himelech the Hittite and to Abishah the son of Zeru, brother Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishah said, I will go down with you. Now guys, Abishah was one of David's great generals. And David had 40 mighty men that traveled with him. And when you study about these guys, these guys were nothing more than, than trained killers. These guys were rugged. You didn't mess around with them. These guys didn't blink an eye about cutting your head off. 
When I read about Abishah, he was bad to the bone, guys. You didn't play with these fellas. And so Abishah, he says, I'll go with you. So let's pick up and keep reading verse 7. So David and Abishah came to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp. With his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people all lay around him. Then Abishah said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. You know what he's saying? We got him, David. We got him. Look what he goes on. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear. Right to the earth. I will not have to strike him a second time. So you know what's going on here? David's, or Abishah says to him, You give me that spear. And it's going to take one blow. That's it. I won't have to do it repeatedly. Now look at David's response. But David said to Abishah, Do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. And so I look at the, the incredible reverence David had upon him. That it would have been much easier for him to go ahead and kill him. But he understood, if I kill who God's anointed then I'm going to lose the blessing like I want. And so when you study this out, it wasn't long after this that Saul was killed. And because of that, David was one of the longest reigning kings of Israel there was. Because I believe he honored what God said to honor. Now let's look for our lives today in the New Testament or Romans 13. And I want to point out some things in the, in the Bible here that will begin to show us what God expects out of us when it comes to honor. And this will pertain to every one of us in this room. Young, old, and everything in between. Romans 13. Let's begin in verse number 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now get this. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that are exist are appointed by God. Now, what I want you to understand is, this wasn't a suggestion. This wasn't to give you some advice, guys. This was a command. And he said to start out with, let every soul, let every soul, you know what that means? Every one of us in this room. Not one of us are exempt from this. And so, if you profess Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, this is Jesus' charge to us. And in the kingdom of God, there is kingdom order. And this is what God is talking about right here. And the kingdom of order, if you'll notice there, the last part it says, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. In other words, God has put His blessing on it. If you'll notice here, it didn't say they were selected or elected by mankind. So what is that talking about, guys? Well, God has ordained specific offices here on this earth. And I realize we vote for people, but God has put blessings on them. Every one of us must get this, that it was appointed by God, okay? God assigned, God ordered, God set this Himself. Verse 2. Therefore, 
Whoever resists or rebels, the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist or rebel will bring judgment upon themselves. And so when you see that God is set in order, and you may rebel against another human being that said in that office, He just told us something here. You're going to bring judgment upon yourself. That's not good. Not good at all. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then do what is good or right, and you will have praise from the same. And so when you look at this, he says, authorities here aren't set to frighten you. They're said here to be a blessing, but they bless you when you obey, not disobey. Now, how many people would say, well, I'm just harassed. I'm just harassed, 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 harassed. Well, you want to know what the cure for that is? Just obey. Just obey. And I can say this right now, that on my way home today, when I see a police officer, I don't get nervous unless I've broken the law. Now, if I've done something wrong, then I get nervous. Other than that, I can look at the police, I can pull right next to me. And as long as I have my seatbelt on, I'm good to go. But when I don't do the things that he asks, this is what he's talking about, authorities. Now, I remember, and I shared this in the first service, that years ago, we were on our way, me and my brother, we were traveling from Oklahoma City back into the Dallas area. And... We had a, a job from American Airlines. What does that mean? Well, we had a license to fly. We thought. And so we are moving down the interstate at quite a rapid pace. And, and I've said earlier that I was just trying to prove a point to my wife that the angels do not jump off at 85. They'll hang in there with you. Now, if you do that, if you drive 85, you're going to pay the consequences. You get caught. You realize that? So that's what happened to me. I come up over a ridge, and there is a state trooper in the middle of the highway, and he points at me and my brother and pulls us over. My first reaction was, how did you catch us? And he said, we've been tracing you for about 10 miles, and he pointed up, and there was an airplane. When you see those signs that say that airplane surveillance is going, that's true, that happens, guys. That's not a bluff. I can promise you. So the officer comes up, and I look at him, and guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I was very respectful. I realized I had been wrong, I'd broken the law, and I said to him, I'm guilty. And then my next question was, I said to him, how fast was I going? And he said, well, if I tell you, I'm going to have to give you a ticket. And I said, don't tell me. Please don't tell me. So he says, where are you going? And I tell him, I said, listen, I've been in a family reunion and at the family reunion, one of the higher officers in the Oklahoma State Troopers is a cousin of mine. And I said to him, my cousin told me, I better watch driving fast on this stretch of I-35. He says to me, he's thinking I'm bluffing. He said, who's your uncle or who's your cousin? And I tell him his name and he looks at me and goes, that's my boss. And I said, please don't tell him you pulled me over. You know what he said to me? He said, you can go. You can go. I'm going to let you go. Just because you were so gracious. And so I looked and I thought, all I did was honored him. How many of you have ever got pulled over and got mad? I have. 
They said, why'd they do that? All these other people running the red light and they get me. Well, wonder why, because I did it too. And so you do those things. This is what this is talking about. If you're going to be stupid, you're going to be treated stupid. Okay, verse 4. Get this. This is good right here, guys. For he is God's minister to you for good. He's God's minister. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain for nothing. Now, you know what bear the sword means? That he has a weapon. And he just doesn't carry that weapon for looks. That he's been ordained to use capital punishment upon wrongdoers. And so i got to look at this, guys. This is what God set into motion. And he goes on to say, For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath or punishment on he who practices evil or breaks the law. And so you got to think even in this area, guys. If I break the law, if I do these things, God has ordained them. God has blessed them. How many of you would like if we didn't have any authority in our world? You're talking about being a mess. You think that Walmart this, this Friday morning at 5 a.m. is going to be hand-to-hand combat? Just think if there was no authority. Just think about all you who work at the mall on Thursday and Friday this coming week. Bless you. I pray double blessings on you. And you other ones who go there... Be very honoring, because you know what? Those people that are going to work on Friday, they're going to be abused. And don't let that be about us. Don't let that happen. Don't go in there and start yakking on people. Well, Pastor, are you so holy? No, I have to work on it too. I'm going to try my best to be very honoring. Actually, my cure for that is I'm not going to get anywhere near those places. Hallelujah. Now, all you wives and mothers, and let bless you, bless you, bless you. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. Verse 5. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath or punishment, but also for your conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes for they. Men and women, human beings, they are God's ministers. Three times, twice in verse 4 and once there in verse 6, he says they're God's ministers, they're God's servants. For what? Attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear or respect to whom fear. And honor to whom honor. And so right here, this, this becomes very big for me and you. And when I look back at the passage we read about King David, he understood the anointing on, on King Saul's life. I got to begin to get there. Now i got one more i got to show you. Go to, go to 1 Timothy 2. Go to your right a little bit and you're going to hit 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Oh man, this will instruct you today to help you. And what I'm trying to do, guys, is put honor back in each one of us. Back into our lives. back Because you know what? The, the most rebellious nation in the world is the United States. Americans don't want anybody to tell them what to do. If you don't believe me, just, just watch. Go places and you'll see. And that, that's not only uh, toward uh, authorities, that's toward parents. That's toward bosses. And you're going to see some things right here in 1 Timothy 2. 
Verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, 1. Therefore, I exhort or urge, first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, I want you to underline that. All men. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to intercede. How many of you can truthfully say you do this? And then the third thing is the real kicker. It says give thanks for them. To all men. And so what he's telling us here, guys, we got to get this in our heart that wherever we go, we need to be people of honor, not dishonor. You know, and Shelly were around, Matt and Christy Robinson. And Matt's a, he's a retired lieutenant colonel. And I love to be around people of military. Because you know what? They understand authority. And so you can just, in his life, and, and they were telling us that he was at Walmart recently. And how, you know, Christy said he can turn a, a five-minute shopping trip to 45 minutes because he honors all the checkers. He, they know him by name at Walmart. And I thought, that man's good to people. Most checkers at Walmart, they probably don't honor, know you by name unless it's stupid. It's ugly. They see you coming and think, oh, dear God, not to him again. But they know Matt. They know Christian. You know why? Because he honors. And so this is the first thing that is petitioned to me and you as believers. Now look what else he goes on to say. That giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for kings, and all who are in authority. Now once again, you begin to see something here, guys, that I'm not only to pray for them, I'm to give thanks for them. Now, when I look at a king in our society, you know who that would be? That would be our president. That would be our Supreme Court justices. That would be our congress, uh, congressmen, our senators, our men and women. Now, how many of you today, you pray for them? Some of you say, I pray that God breaks their legs. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. How many of you give thanks for them? Because listen, guys, it's very easy. To start getting very negative about our congressmen and senators. And I look at all the, the, the energy we use to criticize them. And I say we. Because i got to get this in my heart, guys. There's times God will begin to come after me. And say, don't do that. Speak blessings over them. Speak life over them. And some of you say, well, Pastor, are you Republican or Democrat? Pastor is a Christocrat. He loves people who loves Jesus. Doesn't matter if it's male, female, doesn't matter color of skin. I love people that love Jesus. And so I look at this and there's times in our life if we're not careful, we can, we can get in the flow of the media. And if, if you watch certain news programs, you'll get mad at someone. I mean, you watch Bill O'Reilly, and I'm not saying it's bad or nothing. You get mad. I'll go after him, too. You watch CNN. You watch, I'm going to tell you, guys, you'll get mad about everything that's going on. You know, this is the thought that came to me not long ago. And God said, I just want to put you in President Obama's shoes today. Now, how would you like to wake up tomorrow morning and realize, I got hundreds of thousands of military men and women in Iraq, and Afghanistan that I'm responsible for. I got unemployment that's at 10%. I've got a $15 trillion deficit. 
I've got foreclosures upon homes everywhere. I got problems at the border. I got. And you think that's not overwhelming for a human being? And I look at that and I think, it's much easier for me to get up and criticize. Idiot. But see, this is what happens. If I don't begin to obey the Scriptures now, not only is it important for me to obey the Scriptures, but I want you to see the reward of obeying verse 1 and 2. He says, for kings and all who are in authority, why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Now, how many of you want to live a peaceable life? If you don't raise your hand, we're going to pray for liars here in a minute, because that's you. Think about this. And so he said, in all peace and, and, and reverence. The Amplified says, both inwardly and outwardly. And so once again, I look at this and I think, if I honor what God says to honor, there's going to be a peace upon my life. There's going to be a peace inside me. I don't know about you, I love the peace on the inside of me. I love the peace on the outside of me. How many of you have ever gone into a home and you walked in and immediately you sense in the atmosphere, there's been some fighting going along here. There's been some strong words in this house. You walk in, you think, oh my. But how many of you have ever gone into a house and you experience incredible peace? You walked in and think, oh my gosh, this is like heaven. Well, you know what that's probably because? Because a husband and wife have been very honoring to each other. Oh, Pastor, don't go there. Well, I look and I think if we honor each other even in the marriage covenant like we're told to, it's going to bring peace to your house. But when I dishonor that, I'm going to tell you guys, it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be. And so what is honor based on? Well, every sacrifice is based on preference. That when I begin to choose and prefer, this is what God said. And see, that falls back to what David did. David understood, I can kill King Saul or I can do it God's way. And when I do it God's way, there's a blessing upon me. And see, this can pertain to every one of us in here. I don't care how old you are, young you are. You think about the scriptures say there in Ephesians 6, Children, honor your mother and father. Now think about this. Children. Well, this is Shelly's mom here on the front row. And so still, uh, uh, Shelly's still children. She's still a child. That never ends, guys. As long as your mommy and daddy are alive... You better honor. You know why? Because there's reward. It says, this is the first commandment with promise. That it will be well with you. And you will live long life on this earth. I don't know about you. I like the thought of it being well with me. I like the thought of living a long time on this earth. Until I'm satisfied. And so it plays a part with me. Just like the blessings that came upon Hannah. It had very little to do with Eli the priest. But it had a lot to do with her. So think about this in my life. Whose authority do I fall under? You ones are getting up and going to school tomorrow. You got some teachers. You got Mrs. Bucketmouth and you hate her. You hate that class. You despise it. And so your goal in there is to cause as much problem as you can. And so daily you yak about Miss Bucketmouth. You tell all of your friends, I hate yak, 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 yak. And you wonder why you don't have peace. Pastor, were you perfect at talking to your teachers? Absolutely not. 
I, I look at you guys that are young, and I wish I could go back to when I was in high school. I, w- I look at those days and thought, oh my God, I was so dishonoring. Not when my father was around. My father had a way to bring honor out of this boy real quick. Maybe some of you fathers need to start doing that. It's amazing what a little nine and a half across their little rears will do every now and then. The ones who go to the orphanage, they, they get tickled with me because there's one of the little orphan boys and one day he wasn't doing what he was supposed to. And so I don't speak hardly any Spanish. Hola, Feliz Navidad. I mean, it's, you see, this is white as you can get right here. So he wasn't doing what he was supposed to. You know what I did? I just booted his little rear. Boom, Rolled him a little. He didn't like it. He didn't come around anymore. Every time he'd see me, he'd glare at me. And I thought about taking my shoe off and looking at him. Okay? You don't like it, then do what's right. Ooh, I'm meddling. I better get off that. But you begin to see, guys, that there's so much about honor. And what every one of us in this room must understand, you're going to be under authority the rest of your life. There's always going to be someone to tell you, I want to get out of the house so mom and dad quit telling me what to do. Well, when you start going to college, who do you think is going to tell you what to do? I hate that teacher. I can't wait till I graduate from college. Well, when you get a job, who do you think is going to tell you what to do? So it never ends. And when you get married, who do you think is going to tell you what to do? And all you men, the best thing you can learn is two words. Yes, dear. Once you get those figured out, marriage is a piece of cake. You got to figure it out, boys. Now, I can stand before you right now and say, I haven't excelled at that one quite yet. I'm still working on that. Stand on your feet, guys, with me. See, once again, you just see biblically, guys.